buenos días. Eh, Iglesia eh, Alianza de IRI. Where are the Spanish speakers? <laughs> There's one back there. Spanish speaker. ¿Dónde están? Muy bien. ¿Hay alguien más que habla español? Sí. Sí, allá atrás. Muy bien. Allá también. ¿Alguien más? Allá, allá bien, 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 bien. Sí, allá también. Pastor Scott está anotando, ¿no? You have to be, <laughs> how do we say anotando? You have to be uh, writing down their names, ¿no? They've got a lot of volunteers. They all speak Spanish. So you guys are all drafted to be the first group to come to Mexico, to Guadalajara, to our church plant. Uh, you don't have to speak Spanish to come down. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Cheryl and I don't either. No, we do. We do. We do. Hablamos, sí. But we want you to know the Mexican people are the most gracious, incredible people in the world. We are just absolutely astounded and amazed. We are here today. Really, we should not be talking. It should be our total and rocks today talking. But we do want to get to know you. We want to get to know you a little bit about First Alliance. Um, Cheryl and I have been in Chile for 25 some years in the Alliance Planting Churches. We are now in Mexico, in Guadalajara, the center of Mexico. And that's about um, six, seven years now. And we are standing with you today, very, very pleased to get to know you a little better, give you a chance to get to know us a little better as we begin to work toward together in a partnership to help send the gospel out into this area of Mexico that is in such great need for the gospel. And we're really excited that you get a chance not really to meet us as much, which we're delighted to see you and meet you, but to meet Arturo and Roxana, a member of our congregation. They were one of the first members back in 2014 when we first met. And they are leaders in the church, uh, very involved. He is a lay pastor. He, he preaches quite often does communion, visits. They do all the type of pastoral ministries. He also has a master's in theology from a university in California. Uh, he loves the Lord. They love the Lord together. They're our next-door neighbors. And I'd love Cheryl to give a chance for Roxana to present herself this morning. And then Cheryl's going to begin this morning sharing with you a little bit about our ministry, just a little bit about our ministry in Guadalajara and how together we can move forward. Yeah, you've heard. you've already heard... Um... Arturo Rocks does not have uh, English yet. We're hoping that the Lord infuses the spirit of tongues. But she just wants to say hi and I'll translate for her. Yeah. Eh, es Estamos bendecidos de que nos hayan recibido esta mañana. We were so blessed of how you received me this morning. Y Dios les bendiga grandemente. Gracias. And may God bless you greatly. Thank you so much. Amen. Gracias. <laughs> Thank you so much, as Rock said, for your hospitality has been has been amazing, and some of it has been on the spur of the moment, just being just receiving us, uh, and and Pastor Scott and Cindy are seeing how crazy we really are. <laughs> so, but um, great to be here. As Bob did mention, we have been IWs. For 34 years with the Alliance. Can you believe it? Unbelievable. Oh. And I saw a picture of myself three weeks ago. I was on that same missions trip that we talked a little bit about. And I looked at that picture, put it, Bob put it up on our site, and I said, when did I get white hair? When did that happen? But praise the Lord. He's still using us, our job. We have four children. We raised them in Chile, and they, they went 
from Chile. They went to the United States to different universities, Penn State and the Air Force Academy. And three are married and 11 grandchildren. So we're almost getting there, almost getting to the uh, retreading, not retiring, retreading maybe. <laughs> we're excited to be here. Our job has been to bring this message of hope that we truly believe is a transforming message. We have a little byline that we've been using for the last 34 years. And uh, Bob and Cheryl Fugate, IWs, bringing hope transforming lives. Because that's what we believe. We believe that the message of hope that we have is a message of transformation for the better. And this is not an old message. We see this starting in the book of Joshua. I love the story of Rahab and and when she hid the spies. And Rahab, and what was her last name? Rahab, the kids always think it's her last name. Rahab the harlot. Yes, he's you, you're not supposed to, oh, you, <laughs> thank I, you. I, I, I thought it was Bob. He always tries to answer. <laughs> no, Bob, let the people answer. <laughs> thank you. Rahab the harlot. Can you imagine being tagged with that name? But what did she say? Why did she hide the spies? She was a harlot living on the, on the Jericho wall. Had, had the best place in town outside the main city because that was her job. But she had a view to the outside world. And what did she say to the spies? I have seen your God work. And I want to be a part of it. I have seen, because she saw when, as the chosen people were coming across and slaying their enemies. I have seen your God work. And I want to be a part of it. And what did God do? God grafted her in to be a part of the Israel, the chosen people. And she's in the line of David, line of Jesus, Rahab the harlot. I can't wait to meet her in heaven and just chat with her. Her and the woman at the well are, are the two people I can't wait to meet in heaven and just say, wow, your encounters. But the spies gave her a promise, right? To hang that scarlet cord down your window and you will be saved. That scarlet cord in Hebrew is called Tikva, and Tikva is their word for hope. That scarlet cord was Rahab's hope to a new life, a new last name, a new beginning, a transformation. Tikva, that hope. We see it in Ruth and Naomi, no? Ruth was a Moab, was a, a foreigner, but Naomi, even though she went through her time of bitterness and hard times and she changed her name to Mara, which means bitter and, and, but she must have spoken and, and modeled her, her Jehovah Jireh, no? Because when, when, when Mara Naomi said, go back to your family, I have nothing to offer you. Ruth said, no, no. I want your God to be my God. Where you go, I want to go. Your people will become my people. And Ruth stuck with her, and they went back to, to the promised land. They crossed over, and they found their kinsman redeemer in Boaz. They found their one that was going to save them. And what does, in, in, in the book of Ruth, for, the, for, for Boaz and what he was to Ruth and Naomi, Tikva. So see the pattern? The scarlet cord, Tikva, 
Boaz, a kinsman redeemer. Tikva, Ruth and Rahab the harlot in the line of Jesus, who is our Tikva. So it's an old story, the story of hope and transformation. I saw it in my own life. I grew up in the traditional church in outside of Philadelphia. There's traditionally Catholic, 12 years of high school. I knew that my job was to be a missionary. We got the Mary Knoll Missionary Magazine every, every, every month. And I read about those, those sacrificial women missionaries for the Mary Knolls going to Central America, saving people, being martyred sometimes. And I wanted to do that. So I shared that with my parents. My parents were extremely happy. So somehow I got a scholarship to Penn State. I did not even apply for it. I guess one of my teachers put me in. So my mother said, you go for one year. That'll help build your character. Well, my mother <laughs> regrets saying that to this day. Because who did I meet? I met Jesus in a powerful way through campus, the ministry of Campus Crusade. Because a girl shared with me saying, you don't have to do anything to receive God's love. And I said, really? I don't have to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this, and keep this, and say, say three Our Fathers and eight Hail Marys? No. And I'm not making fun. We, we work in a Catholic country. I treasure sharing with people to say, you don't have to receive anything, do anything to receive that hope and transform your lives. Well, I went home. <clears throat> I did meet Jesus then, Bob, that is the timeline. That's the order. He did not take me away from the nunhood. Jesus did. But within my, par my parents' eyes, it got kind of confused. But that's the timeline, and I'm sticking to it. And <laughs> um, it was rejection, total rejection. My parents thought I had joined a cult. My parents called the Penn State um, uh, Bishop Newman Society, which is the Catholic student and said, what do you know about this Alliance Christian Fellowship? Is it a cult? And they said, yes. And it was a ministry from the local Alliance Church to the campus. And they said, yes, it was a cult. So they were ready to throw me in the back of a white van and get me re reprogrammed, deprogrammed, reprogrammed, brainwashed, unbrainwashed. Rejection totally. My mother said, you cannot be in this house if you cling to this falsehood of being born again, because that's what I said. I said, I found the light. I found the truth. He's not dead on the cross, because that was my life. You, If any of you are from that background, it's a crucifix. He's suffering every single day. I said, he's not dead on the cross. He's alive. So rejection total. So, But the joy and acceptance and sense of belonging is what God gave me. And I walked down the aisle by myself at our wedding because my parents refused any participation. My dad said, no, I can't. And I heard a voice at entering. It's kind of a church like this in State College. I yet walked through those doors, and I heard an audible voice saying, keep on walking. I'm with you. And I'm still walking. <laughs> still walking towards this guy. <laughs> In our ministry in Chile, I'm going to end soon because it's not good that you invited both of us to speak because I could, Bob wants his time. In our ministry, the Circle of Hope, we started because we saw so many women that were left abandoned and, and widows and, and just because of the whole drug, drug situation. 
women that were in poverty because their husbands were gone uh, into the into the drug trade in all kinds of areas. And we offered this measure. Do we call it circle of hope? Because we wanted to bring them in into our circle. We wanted to give them a sense of belonging. We started workshops, cutting hair, um, doing doing uh, nails and pedicures and manicures because something that they could take back to their houses and have a living, at least 20 pesos to cut your kid's hair for school. And they could do it. And I gave them a kit. Everyone that graduated from that workshop got their certificate and they got a kit with a wall cutter, the scissors, the cape, the clips, anything they needed to do that. That was our message of hope. Vero was a girl that came to all of our workshops, brought from a lady with a lady from our church. Vero would just sit there and she would learn. And she asked me one day, she said, what's this hope I hear you talking about? Now, I want to tell you, we did not preach at these workshops, but the ladies that helped me, we just tried to model. We would say, oh, Lord willing. Oh, I think we can, I think we can do that. Let's ask the Lord. And it was not knocked them over the head with the Bible message, but she said, what's this hope I I hear you talking about? And could it be for someone like me? And she told me her story, her background, thrown out into the streets by her own mother, um, her own family, several different husbands and children, six years old, finding a a place to live beneath a tree in the main central plaza, begging, begging for whatever she could find to eat. She told me of going through trash in her own life, having her first kid at 13, then 14, then 15, then 16, five children, five different men. And now she's married to the fifth and had another child. She goes, could this hope be for me? You don't know my story. I said, this hope is for you. This hope is for you. That's the the thing is when it says in Colossians, being ready on this, taking advantage of every opportunity. What's this hope I hear you talking about? Our world that we're working in, it's a beautiful city, a beautiful country, but it's dark and it needs our message of hope that we have. And Bob's going to be sharing with you that may this message that we have, may it spread quickly and be honored. May we have the strength to share this message. May we be faithful. That's what we need for you to pray for us. May help us to be faithful. Vera started taking some beginning discipleship classes with me. Then we funneled her into the church's discipleship classes. She wanted to take the baptism classes. And she got baptized in 2019. And she is one of my board. She's on our board for my Circle of Hope ministry, giving back what the Lord gave her. And she just told me, told me last week, she goes, I finally belong somewhere. So I'm so excited. You're going to meet Vero in heaven. And I hope you run to her. Like we run to Rahab. We run to the women at the well. Like we run to Ruth and Naomi. Because we have that message of hope that transforms lives. Thank you for your role in helping us continue to do that, give that message of hope. Yeah. Oh, normally, Cheryl's better speaker, much better than I am this morning. And so if you'll be able to, to, to for a few minutes with me, uh, our goal is to share with you a little bit of our hearts so that you get a feeling for who we are and also, as we said for Roxanne Arturo, 
to have a chance uh, to meet them after the service. Don't be afraid to say a quick hi to them. Um, Arturo is very, very good with English. Rox understands. She just has a little trouble speaking it, so don't hesitate to meet them. And I told them, you're a very loving church. I said, don't worry. Erie's a great place. They're a loving church. And they felt that already. So thank you so much. It's, it's marvelous when visitors come in from another country and say, wow, that's a loving church. Isn't that neat? I hope you go home with that in your hearts. Let's take that with you. A great thanks to Pastor Scott, Mutcher, and his wife, Cindy. Um, they've taken great care of us. And uh, they took us to Sarah's yesterday with these really good hamburgers. That was awesome. Our Twitter and Rocks are taking pictures. Like, we just love to know the hamburgueses. And, all. and uh, they said they're taking us on a boat today. But I think they're, I don't know if it's going to Canada or what you're doing with us. But our lives are in your hands, brother. But they're really wonderful hosts. And every night, we, we go back to the bedroom. And magically, these two little heart, chocolate heart candies appear on the bed pillows, you know. It's really awesome. So I, I don't know if it's like local. It's really good. Yeah, that was excellent. So thank you. And, and Pastor Mike uh, and the leadership here at the church for taking a step of faith and entering into a, a partnership relationship with more missionaries, uh, more countries. And maybe some of you are saying, oh, I think we're already overextended, you know, as a church. And that, that could be the case. But we're here to tell you this morning that we really appreciate your church's legacy. We appreciate your church's focus and to maintain focus on ministering outside your walls because you do such a great job inside but the fact that you're ministering outside we're fulfilling God's message his kingdom and his command together and we are very very pleased to be able to get to know you over the next few years and to be able to share with you and for you to kind of a co-participation through prayer uh, through some of you coming those of you guys who raised your hands already welcome to Guadalajara and then by financial support it helps Cheryl and I as well to continue on in our ministry there. We're so grateful for that and so thankful. Um, I did want to say, I should have said this this morning to not scare people off, but I should say, if you do come down, we live in a very nice area of Guadalajara, a city of 6 million people. It is, it's a city of um, uh, people who are open right now to the gospel. There's an opening and there's an open door to the gospel, no? Uh, Arturo was in the first church plant that the Alliance did in 19... 98, I think it was, as a young guy. He was actually a part of that when they started. And uh, it's, But it's been hard going. After all those years, one ordained pastor and three churches. It's just been slow and hard. But the doors right now are opening. This is a great time for us to receive help because we feel overwhelmed and we feel stretched thin. But I'm going to read a couple of Bible verses that I just love that remind me that it's God doing the stretching. And if God is doing the stretching, he's going to supply others, will he not? Who will get stretched together. So if you're willing to get stretched, join the club, come on along. We'd love to have you. Amen? Okay, now, to help sweeten the pot a little bit, we do have a couple of kilometers from our house. Costco, do you guys know what? We have Walmart. We have Sam's Club. Uh-huh. We have uh, Denny's. Our uh, and Roxana like to go to Denny's for a big breakfast. It's there. We have Applebee's, uh, Domino's, McDonald's, uh, Burger King. Uh, and the, But the best food are the tacos. You cannot beat Mexican food. It is the best food in the world. We love that. But if you come, you'll feel a little bit at home, too. You'll feel a little bit at home. So you have to come check it out. It's a good place. Uh, as Cheryl was sharing this morning about hope, look at 2 Thessalonians 
chapter 3. And uh, take this with you today. We're hanging what we're sharing right now on this verse. Uh, it's verses 1 through 5. It's the second letter Paul writes to the Thessalonians. And it's verse 1 through 5. And Paul is uh, finalizing, he's kind of winding this letter down. But I love what he says to them because he's already had a relationship. The church is growing. They're, they're becoming established. So he says, finally, brothers, pray for us as they are going out again. They're continuing on to plant churches in new areas. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, reading from the English Standard Version, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. Now, if you watched that video, did you see like maybe we were talking kind of fast on that? We, we tend to do that. But the real reason was we went to try and do a video clip. We were trying to get some video. We'll send that out once in a while in prayer letters. And it was a horrendous thunderstorms that day. It just downpoured, seriously downpoured everywhere. Lightning and thunder and everything. So we're sitting in a coffee shop. The clouds cleared for a little bit. So we actually, I don't know if you saw that girl with her getting her picture taken with her blue dress. She was getting ready for her 15th birthday. Big celebration, Kinsianetta, on that video. They came out to quick get some pictures. We came out to quick get some footage. But the storms were rolling back in. So we're talking really fast. Because the storm's coming. So we're trying to get everything in. But that speed along, what Paul, I think, is talking about is, it's not, it's not that idea symbolically that the Holy Spirit's going to himself uh, take the word of God fast. I think what Paul's saying, pray for us so that God will use us to speed along, that the word of God will be sped, it'll be faster, it'll be without impediment, without barriers, that it will, it will be accelerated. And you know, I think a partnership, Pastor, I think Scott, I lost him again. There he is. I'm sorry. I, you guys are wonderful. I, I think a partnership in part is to help us accelerate the ministries. We, I know we can continue on. God is good. But as we form an effective partnership, there are things your church will bring to this relationship that we don't have that will help to accelerate the process. And I love this idea and I love this concept. And let's try and think about that as we move ahead in the future. And the other word Paul uses is speed along the word, but also that it will be honored. So by honoring, I think of obeying, I think of listening, I think of following, I think of serving. And our calling for Cheryl and I are to plant churches in Guadalajara that will, first of all, people who will hear the word of God, they will, as Arturo said, they will open up their hearts and come to Christ to see God for who he is. And as the only true God among the many false ones, as the only true God, and decide to follow him. So baptism, very, very important for us in Guadalajara. It's extremely important. It is a moment of destiny. When a person makes a public statement, I am following Christ. Therefore, as Cheryl talked about, in doing that, in a way, you're seen as being a traitor, in a sense, to your cultural background. And that is not the case at all, but that is often the perception. And so we are training people, once they come to Christ, discipling them so that they will honor God by following his word. And that's it. That's what we're called to do. We're hoping to plant five churches in Guadalajara. We began in 2014 when we moved there from Chile, uh, not knowing the city, not knowing the culture, knowing very little. Our goal is to plant five churches by 225. So today is 221, and the clock is ticking. And so by five churches by 225. But because there is such a need outside of the city, the six states that surround us in the middle of Mexico, 
about 20 million people. Guadalajara is the second largest city. Mexico City is much larger by far, 26 million people. But just within Guadalajara, there's 6 million. And then the outlying states around us, uh, there's about 20 million people there. And they're about 2, 2.1% evangelized. Very difficult, very resistant, very difficult to plant churches. We would like by 2025, if God would be gracious, to that area of the country, to see these five churches in Guadalajara. And through those churches in Guadalajara, through our Mexican brothers and sisters, uh, in partnership with Erie and other churches, to see five other churches started in those outlying states. And that's a challenge. And so we thank the Lord for you. We are praying the Lord. This is something God has put on our hearts. Our church leadership has accepted it, adopted it, and it's kind of our battle cry in our church in, in Breath of Life to serve outward. And as, as Pastor Scott talked about in the very beginning, that we're looking outward from Guadalajara to the outer areas, and then as you are to all nations. And our real goal is someday Alianza de Vida can become like a first alliance where they can be have a vision to support missionaries worldwide. That's our real goal. And I think you'll serve a great way and more than you realize just by bringing us up here today, having us here and having this conference. So with that said, folks, I love this. God will speed ahead and he will be honored. And I love that verses as happened with you. So the people in Thessalonica, they were already stable. The church was there. It was growing. Erie is a stable church. I look at you and I see a mature church. I see a church that's moving ahead. But what I see here, and somebody told me this morning after service, they said, when you got this land, and correct me if I'm, I'm off on this one, they shared with me that number of people here actually uh, took out loans on their homes to buy the property. Is that, is that accurate? That's amazing. That's commitment. That's sacrifice. What we see here did not just happen on its own. What we see here is a result of sacrifice, commitment, and service to God. It's the result of putting God first. We must never forget that when we see something like this. There's been a lot of sacrifice going. And that's what Guadalajara is going to be. There's going to be a lot of sacrifice. There's going to be a lot of commitment. And we want the people to know that so that as they continue to grow, they look beyond and they see the world and the mission that God has called them to reach beyond their borders, beyond their city first, and then beyond their borders. Amen? Can we work together with that? Does that get your engines a little bit? We, we need pastor more coffee. Bring the coffee. In. We got, got good coffee, by the way, guys. But thank you. Now, as uh, Paul goes on, he says, for not all have faith in that first verse. And that's because I believe he's saying there's going to be opposition. And he goes on to say, the Lord is faithful. And it's interesting because he's talking to the church in verse 3. The Lord is faithful. He'll establish and guard you against the evil one. So he's talking about Satan and the opposition from demonic forces. He says in verse 1, uh, verse 2, that we may be delivered as well from evil and wicked and evil men, which is a good way to pray for us as well, because that's very much the case. Cheryl talked about her family situation, Penn State, and coming to Christ and whatnot. Um, the backstory to that is by 16, I don't know if there are any 16-year-olds in here, but if we do, 15, 16, 17, parents, if, if, you, if you're not liking this part, then you can just tell them, tell them the missionary is wrong. Uh, but uh, I, I started praying for a wife at 16. Because I love the Lord, started sharing my testimony. By that time, we were in Dubois, PA, not that far down the road. And I said, Lord, if I'm going to be a missionary, I want to be a missionary. I'm going to need a woman who's not afraid to leave her home. 
and doesn't mind living far away from her country, her family, and raising her children. So I said, could you find me a wife that would do that? And I left it in God's hand. It's trusting that God would pick somebody good, right? That makes sense, does it not? And, and then I ran into this lovely, wonderful woman. We have 40... Yeah, I knew that. 41 years. Yep, I knew that. 41 wonderful years. And I said, Lord, you just got to pick someone for me who's going who's to want to be a missionary. So it was a wonderful thing at Penn State when we started meeting each other until the day I told Cheryl she was not a, uh, not a, we were not dating yet. She was not a Christian yet. And I, I told her one day, I said, you know what my vision is, is to be a missionary. And because and, I was always testing out the girls. That's not a really good pickup line, by the way. Uh, you, you, you kind of weed them out really quickly. I said, I want to be a missionary and I'm looking for somebody, you know. And she said, oh, that's wonderful. Me too. And my first thought was, thank you, Lord. This is only you could do this, no? And she's good looking too. That doesn't hurt. You know, that's great. This thing you love. And, and then she said those fatal words. With Mary Noel, I'm going to be a Mary Noel Catholic missionary. A nun. And then it dawned on me. They don't get married. So it was a God thing. It is true. She converted first. Then I hit up on her. We got to get married. Okay. And so the opposition will be there. As you saw in the video, on the video you saw, um, you saw, I talked a little bit about taking the circle of hope to Parechapa peoples, an indigenous group about five hours south of us. They speak their own language. Uh, they are actually wonderful people. They are so faithful. It has been phenomenal. God has been moving among their midst, and their church has doubled. And so they now have about uh, 50, 60 adults, I think, and about 30 kids going there. Our Breath of Life Church gave them 30 chairs for Christmas time, piñatas with candy to help support them. We take our church down. We went a couple of weeks ago with 22 people. We did like a VBS type thing. We minister. We go door to door. We pray for people. We share. That's what we're doing with Breath of Life. The very same thing you guys have been doing around the world for years. And in that time, we were amazed to see what God had done among them. They took a sewing machine. They gave a sewing machine to the pastor's wife, Aurelia, who just cried uh, tears. And I thought, uh-oh, what do we do wrong? And she said, you don't know. I had been praying for years for a sewing machine. Who would have thunk that? Who would have ever thought that? But that just came from God's nudging. So that movement, that congregation is moving. They came to us last week with a bombshell saying they are going to try and buy land because they're meeting in their house, a nice little church building in their house, but they could get shut down because of that. Neighbors don't want them there. The town doesn't want them there. Persecution, they could get shut down. So they actually sold their pickup truck. They have a taxi, by the way, a very nice taxi. They sold their pickup truck and for $20,000, they put, got money together and they put money down on property. Unbelievable. We couldn't believe it. They're ahead of us. It's just phenomenal what they're doing. And so they have faith and God is moving. That's just since we made that video. I talked about starting the church plant in San Sebastian. I talked about that in there as well. We did start Bible studies uh, September 1st on a Wednesday night. Uh, we started with Rick Warren's Why Am I Here on the Earth? or something like that in English. And then the next six weeks will be Max Lucado's Grace, which is really important where we're ministering. And so about 10 or 12 people have started coming in. It's a second floor of a, of a, of a local uh, business. Alex and Angie own it. The second floor is empty. So they're meeting there uh, with Bible studies. And we rented a building. We signed a rent contract last week. Uh, in that town, it's a main plaza. And it's a beautiful building. It used to be a discotheque. So it's got like the, you know, Saturday Night Fever lights and stuff. I'm dating myself, aren't I? Yeah, I need to update that reference, don't I? Okay, it's got the lights, it's got everything, and it's just beautiful. 
It is really dirty. It needs a lot of work. That's why we got it so cheap. It just needs a lot of work. So we're going to need help is what I'm trying to say. We're already over our heads. We're going to need help. Arturo plays a really good guitar. Rox is a great evangelist. They preach. They teach in the church. But they're not really good with carpentry. That, that, that's not his thing. Every once in a while we get him to paint, but that's about it. You know, he won't, that's, he doesn't do so well. I don't either. So we do need help in that, guys. And Lord willing, uh, the, the Bible study will grow into 20 or 30 people. So we're, we're hoping by the end of the year, we can maybe start Sunday services. That will be our third campus congregation in Guadalajara. Our third one. And, and the seeds are sowed for the fourth one already. We know where it's going to be. We're just not sure how yet. So would you pray for us for these? We also have that Porto Epecha congregation. We're going to take up offerings in our church the little we can. We're going to help them with that uh, and ask God to bless them. And we have another one in incubation that we think next year outside of Guadalajara will start. And so your prayer is, is requested uh, for those issues and for that thing, for that, those types of ministries. Uh, Paul goes on to say, the Lord is faithful. He will establish you. And guard you against the evil one. And he's talking to the church, but I think he's really talking to himself. I think Paul's saying he's going to keep, he's going to establish us too. And then he's going to take care of us. He's going to watch over us. When we moved to our first rental to start opening the church in 215, um, we signed a rent contract. We had a rental. We were fixing up the building and we were kicked out four days before the first Sunday service was going to start. And for me, that was just tragic. What in the world are we going to do? We had 100 chairs coming that Friday. I was telling Cheryl, I think we're putting them in the kitchen. We got our total and Roxana together. We got our leadership together. And we said, guys, what do you want to do? Uh, there's no way we can stay there because the, the cartel moved in and he got a hold of me and we'd negotiated for a couple of days, but it's kind of one-sided negotiation. And it was first threatening with beating up, then it was threatening with jail for me. They had a video of me stealing his truck, which I did not do. And then they threatened to kidnap the two young children of the other couple that was with us. And said of that, I said, we cannot do that. Um, that's not going to fly, so we're leaving. And God answered in a wonderful way, but not the way I expected. Not the way I expected. God, Paul is, is exactly right. We asked the Lord to protect us, watch over us. But, you know, sometimes in these hardships, God has plans that we just don't understand. And that's why that faithfulness to Christ. And so um, when, the, when he said that, when he said the kidnapping, he meant it. And so I got up. He said, Pastor, children disappear here like the two kids I saw the other day. And that means they're going to disappear. And I was uh, just asking him to give me two Sundays. I said, just give me two Sundays so that I can get to know the people and then we can tell them where we're going to go and find a place. And he said, no. But he changed his mind the, the last day. And he said, Pastor, I've decided you can have two weeks here to meet. Two weeks. And I thought, oh, thank you, Lord. That's, a, that's a, such a help. Thank you. Uh, we're starting in a couple of days, so thank you. But that's not the words that came out of my mouth. It wasn't me. It, it, that's, it, it, this was not me. This was the Lord saying. And the words that came out of my mouth were, no, thank you. We don't need your help. We don't want your help. Um, and I'm thinking, Lord, you do realize we've got nowhere to go. We've got nothing. And I'm saying, we don't want you. We don't need you. Thank you very much. Uh, God's going to give us a better place. So I actually said, I'm thinking, we don't have a place. It's going to be nicer than your place. And it's going to be less expensive than your place. And we're going to be meeting there on the Sunday morning. It's going to be full. And I'm thinking, Lord, you got to stop. We don't have anything. Please just, you know, come on. And that wasn't the case at all. Because we got a call leaving that from, I guess it was Federico. 
who was a Jehovah's Witness, would come to a taco evangelistic event we did a couple of weeks before where Arturo played, and I shared just a few minutes. He was so impressed by that. He said, I heard you need a place. And he said, I've got this building I'm building. No one's there yet. There's no water. There's no lights, but nobody's in it yet. You can have it to meet in. And what he thought was just for a couple of weeks until we find a place. But we said, we'll take it. That's it. And we're still there. The first church is still there today. Second floor, little place, really cool. They're still there. And God is blessed in wonderful ways. So God is speeding along his word in ways that we had no idea, right? We had no idea that Arturo and Rox were going to be one of our key couples to plant this church. And we've met them the first weeks in Guadalajara. I said, Lord, how do we plant a church? We only know Tim and Janice Greenfield missionaries. We know nobody else. How do we plant a church? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And lo and behold, he knew along, we ran into these guys because we were going to dinner. We were invited to dinner with Sergio, who was going to be the, the co-signer for our rental, for our house. And it turns out that our children rocks live around the block from us where we we're going to rent. And we were going to their dinner and Sergio went to the supermarket. As happens, women, you forgot something and if her husband forgot something and you send him back out to get something as people are coming. So he went down to the supermarket and who did he run into? But our children rocks who are just kind of hanging around the supermarket. And they said, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. How you doing? They knew him, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. They're both Christians. And he said, I got these missionaries coming over. Would you come over and join us for dinner? Mexicans are incredibly wonderful hosts. They're incredible. So they came over for dinner. We got a chance to meet them. Little did we know they lived next door, just around the block. Little did we know they're believers. Little did we know that they'd been praying for God to start a church in their neighborhood. But not any church, a church that would evangelize uh, non-believers and they would reach out to the community. Isn't that awesome? And that's how the Lord has been speeding along. So that is our story. We are. I need to wrap this up and land this airplane today. So that we can go home and, and enjoy that boat ride. Amen? Okay. Uh, I want to close with this, if you will. And, and, and Pastor Mike, where's Pastor Mike? There he is. Okay. Two minutes, and I'll, I'm done. I'm not putting you on a spot, buddy. Thank you so much. Um, I am putting him on a spot. Thank you. Um, but Russ up there can cut me off whenever he wants, I think, right? Yeah. Verse 5. Just draw your attention to verse 5. Great verse. Verse 5 is, May the Lord direct your hearts... To the love of God, interesting that Paul would use those words, that the Lord will direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Very interesting. And I, I look at that and I say, huh, again, in, in one way, he's, he knows they're going to have issues. He knows there's difficulty whenever we're taking the gospel into areas where it's not firmly entrenched. We always find opposition. And he says to us, God, may God direct your hearts to his love. When I was 18, I had a divine encounter with God that really became my call. But it was an encounter with a God of love. And that's the difference from what we find in Mexico. There is fear. I think Cheryl mentioned that. There is, there is worry. And, and the enemy uses that. And the church so often, the traditional doesn't teach love. They teach guilt. They teach, you're going to go to hell if you're not careful. They don't teach that. The spiritists communities around us in the hills persecute believers. We were a part of that for a while, and we're trying to figure out how to get the gospel to them. Um, they're aggressive. They will. You can't take a Bible. You can't say you're a pastor, and they have killed believers of their community who have come to faith in Jesus Christ recently. It's that strong. It's that strong. And Paul says, God direct you to his love, and it's that love, I believe, that encounter with God of love that makes all the difference. It's that hope in a God of love. 
That's our difference. And I had that encounter at 18. I had broken my ankle. I went to a Christian concert. I think it was Jesus 78 in, I think, Mount Union. And I had a broken ankle. It was just taped. It wasn't, it wasn't casted. I was on crutches. And just sitting there that day, uh, listening to the worship, everyone else around me, thousands worshiping, I had this voice from God that said, Bob, you got to stand up. And my thought was, if this is you, Lord, that's not going to work. It's a good idea, but this is not going to end well. And he said, no, I heard it again. You have to stand up. And I took the decision, if this is God speaking, if this is God speaking, and it's got to be, I'm going to do that. And in doing that and taking that step of faith, putting that toe gently on the ground to see what's going to happen, by doing that, that's when I was healed, by taking that step of faith. And what I found from that was God saying to me, as a message for me, as a calling for me, if you want to do anything in this world that leaves a lasting eternal legacy and honors me, it has to be me. It can't be you. It's got to be me. And if you're willing to do that and trust me, okay, I love you and care for you, and I will minister. And we will, together I will minister, and my word will go forth. And I believe that's that message that we are drawn to God's love in our hearts overwhelmingly to minister to others who have not had the opportunity yet to hear of this God of love who died for us on the cross. He rose again, and we have this incredible opportunity to share his love. Uh, Cheryl and I are so thankful for God's protection over these years. We're thankful for our children rocks, the protection for them, how he has protected them, and for our church now members, how he has protected them. And folks, it's that love of God as he directs us to him that enables us to persevere in Jesus Christ. If you are feeling distant from God today, be careful. Turn back. He's a God of love. But if you're feeling a little separated today because of sin in your life or you're just walking away a little bit, turn back. Heed that voice. Because we're in danger of falling away from Christ. Paul's saying that perseverance, to stay and to walk and to serve. He is an incredible Lord, and he loves others, and he wants to use you and me together to reach this world for him. God bless you this morning. We're going to pray. Where's R2? R2, por favor, venga. Ayúdame, por favor, perdón. And let's stand this morning in prayer. If you would stand with me, we'll close in prayer. I really like that song we sang in the beginning, open. Uh, we sing a, a good number of these worship songs, too in Mexico. And I love that song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord, so that we can see with our heart that God is a God of love who cares for each and every one of us and loves. Like Vero, we can go to a person like Vero and we can say, God loves you. No matter what, He loves you. You are loved. There is somebody in this world that loves you. We can say, because we've been there. We've been there. We've seen it. We've had that divine encounter. And that's what God wants with all of us. He wants all of us to have that divine encounter with Him so that we know in our beyond a shadow of a doubt He loves us so much that we can go and tell others beyond a shadow of a doubt He loves you. Would you bow with me and let's pray. Let's ask the Lord for His blessing today. Father, we thank You so much for this congregation today here at First Alliance in Erie. Thank You, Lord, for the work they've done. Thank You for the ministries they've done. Lord, thank you for the willingness this morning to listen to us and to, to hear and to share with us. Thank you for their love. And Father, pray for this partnership. 
Give us wisdom, Lord. Help us to understand what you have in mind. We're not 100% sure. We're not real sure what exactly you want to do. But we are convinced that you have a plan and you desire to reach this area of the world in central Mexico with your gospel. Would you use them in ways that they don't even know yet to participate with you to take your gospel speedily to that area where people are suffering, Lord, where we are, because we don't know the time we have left. Would you, would you work this partnership together? Would you call people from this church to have a heart and a burden for those in Mexico? Would you lay this on them as a burden? And Father, would you use their leadership, their pastors, their lay leaders? Bless them, prosper them, and use them, Father. I pray for this church. I pray for everybody who lifts their eyes up to you. For those who are hurting or suffering, would you answer them, Lord, if they look to you in faith? Would you reveal yourself to them that you are a God of love, that you are alive and well? And Father, would you bless them to reach their community as they continue to grow in this church, to reach this area for Jesus Christ in a world that's becoming increasingly conflictive, where the enemy's looking to increasingly shut down your church would you guide them and use them as a shining light here in the area? Thank you, Lord. In your son's precious name we pray.